Hi, everyone. I'm Jason Ballara, and this is the Know Your Why podcast. Today, I'm here with Rachel Veratimos. Uh, Rachel is a nutritionist, a certified life coach, and host of Transformative Retreats for Women. Um, Rachel, first of all, thank you so much for, for coming on the podcast today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk to you. Yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to this. Can you start by maybe giving us a bit of your background, tell us you know, a little bit about yourselves, what kind of got you to this point, and then, and then we'll dive into you know, wherever, wherever that takes us. Yeah, so I have a really long story, um, but I will keep it as short as possible. But really, I'll say the outcome of the story is I really understand how much our thoughts create our reality and how much power we actually have to change it and shift it. So my story really starts when I was nine, uh, my whole life growing up until I was nine, I was obese. I didn't talk. I didn't have many friends. Uh, I remember being at recess and watching all of the kids like play, play and like laugh and hang out. And I would be in the corner waiting for recess to be over. Cause I felt like I didn't nor- know how to be a normal human. And so when I got to be nine years old, I hit this rock bottom where I was clinically obese. That's what the doctors told me. And my mom was really worried about me not having any friends. I felt like crap and I found this weight loss camp and I begged my parents to let me go. I was just like, please, I want to be normal. So they let me go for six weeks. They promise if you go for six weeks, you lose 20 pounds. So I went, I lost 23 pounds and I picked up so many disordered eating habits but I, I showed myself, oh my God, I don't have to be an obese kid. Like I'm a normal size now. And then at the weight loss camp, I met a lot of other kids who were um, on the same journey as me. So I could connect more with other kids. It was like my first glimpse into, oh, I do know how to connect with people. Um, that kick started the next 16 years of me being obsessed with dieting and nutrition. So I'd stay up till 3am researching it all the time, figuring out how I could stay thin. Cause I thought that's how you had friends. Um, I wasn't treating the underlying issue, which was this debilitating anxiety. So I got my degree in nutrition in college. I loved it so, so much, but then got so burned out after college. Cause I had been studying nutrition for like 16 years at that point. Um, and got to this realization, oh my God, I could know everything in the world about nutrition. I could know all the science about digestion and I still won't have that freedom I'm looking for. I was searching for a way to stop thinking about dieting so I could just be thin and have friends. So when I hit that rock bottom after college, I was like, screw it. I'm not going to research anymore. I'm not going to like think about how I should eat, count calories. I'm just going to go back to the basics. I'm going to eat whole foods, see how I feel when I eat them and just hope for the best. So I started doing that, um, eating all whole foods, listening to when I was hungry, stopping when I was full. And over the course of a year, I stopped binge eating just naturally. Like I had no want to binge eat anymore. Um, I finally maintained a weight that I felt so good in, and it wasn't hard for me to maintain at all. It was purely from me letting go of all the information and just listening to my body. Um, and it was in that moment that I first realized, oh my God, like literally all I did was make a mindset shift to stop trying to control the outcome and learn, learn, learn. And I just listened to myself and I gained the freedom I had been looking for, for 16 years. So that kickstarted me being like, okay, well, what else can my mindset do? What else am I not fully understanding that I could let go of and integrate? Cause I was still dealing with debilitating social anxiety and uh, generalized anxiety. I'd been to therapists for years. 
Um, and so I got into meditation courses and I meditated on my own. And I got to this point where I was eating really well, working out every day. Cause I had worked out every day since I was 15, meditated every day, journaled, did all the things, saw a therapist and still had no self-love and this debilitating anxiety. So I hit my second rock bottom when I was like, or my third rock bottom, we'll call it, where I was like, oh my God, I can't handle this debilitating anxiety. And me and my boyfriend had heard this guy named Mark England on a podcast. He does like, he's the language wizard. And we were like, we we're going to meet him one day. And then at that time, we found out that he was doing um, like uh, language certification. So my boyfriend went through the certification, said it was life-changing for him. So I didn't really have the money at the time. I had just left my job in cannabis. Um, so I was jobless and it was $2,700, but I knew I needed to do it. So I figured it out. I was like, I'm going to manifest this. And I just did whatever I could to bring in the $2,700, paid for the course. The course changed my life because it was all about language, being aware of your words, um, and plus you have like the community aspect and that led to so much more where I had this debilitating social anxiety. Right. And I met this community through coaching and some of them were hosting retreats. So I went to a retreat and with my, with women and my first time being with a group of women, I was terrified and it completely dismantled all of my limiting beliefs about women. Like after that retreat, all of my fears, all of my limiting beliefs about being able to socialize with women just dissipated because I had firsthand experience of safety. And I also had that language work. And then everyone in the community around me, the coaching community were constantly um, reflecting and translating the way I was talking. So if I said, I could never do that, they're like, no, you could do it. And having that constant support, um, it made me want to sign up for a million more coaching programs. So then over the next two years, I invested like $30,000 in coaching programs and started my coaching business. Don't ask me how I manifested the $30,000. It was a million different ways. I had no job. I was starting a business. But what I learned is when you want something bad enough, you figure out a way. And when you look for your possibilities and argue for your possibilities and let go of the how, just like when I was in nutrition trying to control everything, when you just let it go, listen to your body and listen to that passion and allow that to drive you, you can have anything you want. And that spawned me. I'm now hosting my fourth women's retreat. Um, I have a, like a really successful business. I travel the country and meet my coach friends all the time. I don't have social anxiety at all anymore. Uh, I don't have general anxiety at all. I take my day and I um, am very relaxed throughout the day. I used to be rushed all the time, like trying to get things done. And so my story is really about like, you can change your thoughts to change your reality. Um, and to me, that's proof of it. Yeah. Uh, pretty strong proof, actually. I, <laughs> there's so there's so much there to uh, to talk about. I, I think, God, so so like honestly, like a million different things in my head. At first, I, maybe I'll try to gather them in chronological order. It makes me very sad to think of a nine year old having that sort of. And I know this happens, but think of a nine year old having that sort of just negative self worth, you know, opinion of themselves. Um, and I know that, that it does happen, but as a father of young kids, that's like something I'm terrified of. It, it just like, like, <laughs> don't mess them up. Don't mess them up. Don't mess them up. Like just everything, <laughs> everything you, you know, you go through it and, and my wife and I talk about, you know, sort of 
how we're supposed to talk to them about food and like all like all the time we have this talk because like I I come from a background of not having enough and so I'm I've always been that like you need you need to finish what's on your plate like why aren't you eating like that kind of thing and then you hear you know other people are like that's not the right it's just not the right relationship with food and and then you know sort of so you, you went through this fantastic transition and I and I'm not meaning to skip it all, but like, these are the two things that really stood out to me. You also, this is very timely because you, you talk about the, the coaching program on language and you're talking about the way we talk to ourselves, right? Like that's really the, I literally just posted something on uh, Instagram today, like about that exact topic, which I never do, but it was just, just a quick, <laughs> essentially I, I like to exercise. I, I also go to the gym most every day and I, um, I lifted a lot of weight that it, it doesn't matter. The point is my immediate reaction to it. If I had seen someone else doing it, I've been like, that's great. My re immediate reaction to myself was I didn't go deep enough on the last squad. I didn't like, like all of these things that I'm somehow like minimizing it in my own head. And it just struck me that it's like, that's, uh, that's not something I want to show to my kids. That's not something that I want to show to the, to the, uh, young, uh, I train residents in surgery. Like I, I these are not things, that's not how I want to pass on to other people. And so that's, that's kind of what I posted about, but just like, I'm rambling. This is, <laughs> but there's a lot there that I think is, is very, very cool stuff to talk about. And so, um, you're in, in your journey through that, you know, sort of whole thing from, from having anxiety and, and all of this to, to now feeling free, we, I don't know, where do you start when you talk to your, when you talk to the people you're coaching? Like, how do you, how, how did you approach it for yourself? How would you approach it if you're trying to, you know, sort of coach someone through similar hardships that you're, that you experienced? So one thing I always start with is on our discovery calls is where I start to notice people's thinking patterns. And so language was one sort of, I would say that's the basis for everything is really paying attention to your language and your thoughts. Um, but then I've learned like inner child healing and we have that all in with, um, uh, then I know this other coaching tool, which really maps out and shows you how your thoughts change your reality. And when you see it, you're like, oh my God, you can't unsee it. And it makes you not want to think that and makes you want to focus on your language even more. But during discovery calls, what I'll do is I'll ask them a bunch of areas of their life and have them rated on a scale of one to 10. And I'll ask them why they rated that number and what would make it a 10. And through that process, I, un I uncover their thinking patterns. So very common thinking patterns are black and white thinking. So like all or nothing thinking, like if we think about someone on a diet, they're like, oh, I messed up today. So I'm gonna start tomorrow and I'm gonna eat all these other things today. And and a lot of people do this. It's not just with food. It's with, um, it's even with work. Like, oh, I just went on a week long vacation. I have to go nose to the grindstone now. And if like, you're tired one day, nope, you got to push through or else you're lazy because you just went on a vacation. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. this is like this yeah. all or nothing thinking. And it shows up in, I think most people's life. Um, it's, I think how we're trained these days, it's a very it's just, and what it does is it creates this swing. You swing from one extreme to the next extreme when really 
what I help my clients do is come back to the middle and I call it finding the gray. And when you find the gray, that's the area of self-compassion. It's the area of like listening to your body as opposed to letting your mind control the show. Because that's what, that's what we're doing when we think black and white thinking. It is all the mind. The mind's like, do better, do more. If you're not this, you're that. And your body really holds the keys to the whole spectrum of life. And when you learn to just trust that your body knows better than your mind and how you're feeling should be listened to. So if you're feeling tired one day, how can you show yourself some compassion knowing that by allowing your body to rest and do less than what was on its schedule, it can bounce back even stronger and achieve things more efficiently. So you're not constantly crashing and burning. It's why we see burnout, right? So black and white thinking is one area. Um, another area of language that I look at in patterns is soft talk. So when people are very like, I'm trying to do this, well, maybe I'll do that. And I see this in people who can't make decisions. I used to be one of them. Um, I used to say, so I used to not trust myself either. I thought I had no intuition and that's because I was living so in my head and trying to make all the decisions from my head being like, well, maybe I could do this or possibly I could do that. Or I should have kind of like all of those types of lang language. Um, and then like, I wouldn't make a decision it would, or it would take me a really long time. And then when I did make a decision, I'd be questioning it the whole time. And then the outcome of the decision wouldn't be as strong because I didn't go in it like head first and just make a decision. I was wobbling on it the whole time. So you get a less productive outcome, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's another area we look at. Uh, let me think. I would say black and white thinking is definitely the most common, but another really common one is projections. Oh my God. We project our stories onto other people all the time. So I used to do this uh, when I had social anxiety very often. If I was in a group of women, I already had a story that I didn't know how to talk with other women or that people would abandon me. And so I'd walk into the room and if people didn't look at me the right way, or if they were talking too much to each other, all of my stories came out and I made the whole situation fit my story and reaffirm, see, you're just not good at, at you know, interacting with other people. You're always going to be abandoned. I'd even do this in relationships like with my boyfriend and I stopped doing this and our relationship is better than ever once I learned to stop doing this. But if I had a certain way he should act and if he didn't act in that way, I would get upset and be like, what the heck? Like, do you not love me? Like you're going to abandon me. I'm not good enough. Yep. You know, those, <laughs> I think that's a those extreme. One. Yeah. The, those extreme reactions, those extreme reactions are extreme because of this, because of just like you're saying the stories that you're telling yourself that it's like this, this little thing means that he doesn't love you anymore. And it's like this, you know, that, that intense reaction. And, and, and I mean, I, I, maybe everybody does it. I do it too, but it's like the other person has no idea what you're talking about. And you're like, because they didn't live that story that you just had in your head. Like they didn't, <laughs> they didn't, it, they didn't go through that whole thing that you just made up basically. And like live it with you, but it's, it feels very real, right? Like when you're, having those stories and those that, you know, the social anxiety, it's like, you're thinking about how every person in there is going to, how they're going to negatively take their interaction with you. And like, mm -hmm. they're not even really thinking about it. like, it's not, <laughs> or they're thinking, 
I wish that guy would come talk to me or I wish this this woman would come talk to me. I would like to get to know them. Like it's it nobody nobody's real like I guess if you think about it yourself too like you don't walk into a room full of people and just start thinking negative thoughts about them. You think you think maybe negative thoughts about yourself for whatever reason because you're telling that story but um yeah, I mean so so true the the all of these things are are a big part of like how we create this to ourselves. I did have a, a, a sort of specific question to one of the things you mm -hmm. said. You talked about, you know, so when you're meeting with a client, you're doing your discovery call, you're asking them these, how they picture the, the portions or parts of their life and, and rating them on a scale of one to 10, right? Do you find when you, when you ask someone what the, what it would look, what a 10 would look like, do you find that's a hard question for people to answer? Because I find that that is a hard question for me to answer sometimes when people hear people talking about what does your ideal life look like? What does, and I'm like, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't <laughs> like that. I just, you don't necessarily give yourself the permission to think that way. Like how, how does that typically go when you ask people that? So it's funny you say that that's part of why I believe coaching is so powerful is because people don't think about what a 10 would look like often. And so when you force them to think about it, you force them to gain clarity around what they actually want and like how they actually want to behave, the things that they want, to, the results they want in their life. So many of us are so stuck in where we're stuck and what we don't have that we don't think about what we actually want. So what I do is I find is if someone has a hard time thinking about what it looks like is I have them first generate general feelings. So like how, like, would you want to feel in this area of life? If you were really healthy, how would it feel? What would you imagine yourself doing? And through tapping into feelings, sometimes visualizations can pop up of being like, oh, I'd want to feel really like healthy and energized like well what would they do if they were energized I would walk more I would uh spend more time with my kids like it starts to generate like when you start simply if that makes sense with like how they want to feel yeah no I mean that makes total sense I think would you say that a lot of what what you're doing from a coaching perspective and maybe what a lot of coaches are doing is it's it's empowering people to be self-aware, right? So like, you don't, I think, so. like I said, like, I guess I don't, people don't necessarily give themselves the permission to think about what a 10 looks like, because you might, that either you might, it might be hard to get to a 10 or you just, you don't feel that you deserve it or whatever the, whatever the background story that you're telling, again, whatever you're telling yourself, but like, <laughs> the, the self-awareness to know what those things look like, like what the, where you are now, why you're there and, and then what, what do you need to do to get out of that? Do you, do you feel like that's sort of a big part of it is just raising people's self-awareness? Yeah. It's raising self-awareness of not just self-awareness, like self-awareness of their stories, like their current actions, all these things, but self-awareness of really what's possible for them. Cause people have a hard time imagining that it's even possible. So first they have to believe it's possible. Like I can't just get people a result. It has to start with really seeing that it it's possible for you. Um, 
And that's one of the things that we really will generate on a discovery call first, because if they can't tap into that, they're not going to have the motivation, the why, the drive to keep moving forward. It's going to seem, seem impossible. Like it's not, it wouldn't seem you know, attainable. But another thing that I do constantly with people is we're all externalizing our power. So our story projecting, like our stories project, they externalize our power. We ask other people for advice. It externalizes our power. Um, something happens. We believe it's out of our power. Uh, and really like one of the things I teach people is no, like you can bring the power back to you. And when you learn to bring the power back to you, when you learn to really like shift your energy in the way you think about things, you realize you can create anything you want because you realize how in control of your reality you are. Um, I've worked with tons of clients who like even a client I had today, she was like, oh my God, Rachel, like literally it's been two months and she came to me depressed lacking possibility, like couldn't even see her future. And now she's like, I don't even remember how I used to think. Um, she signed actually up for a real estate course. She's going to start investing in houses with the money she has. Um, and she was like, I'm looking at opportunities now. Like everything feels like an opportunity. And that's what happens is when you learn to bring the power back to you and like how much you can create your reality, you realize everything's an opportunity and it opens up all the possibilities and you see more. Yeah. I mean, makes total sense. I, I, I'm, I'm a big, and I don't know that I knew how much of a big fan I was of this until I got really into Gary Vee over the last couple of years, but accountability. Uh, and I read the book, Extreme Accountability, Jocko Willick, that like, I've always, it's always been important to me, but I didn't, I didn't realize what a game changer it could be if you, if you really apply it to every situation. And, and I think like what, what you're talking about right now is almost, it's like self accountability to yourself, right? Like self-awareness, accountability to yourself, just being aware of what you're, what you are capable of right? Instead of, instead of like sort of letting yourself off the hook and not, not achieving that, you know, sort of level of, of whatever it is, happiness, whatever it, I'm not, I don't even want to use the word success because sometimes that implies like, oh, I, what, whatever people's artificial uh, vision of success is, but your own, your own happiness being something that you are accountable for. Is that, is that making sense? I feel like I'm rambling a little bit. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. And one thing I want to say with accountability, and I love, I love teaching people this because it's changes, it's life changing, I believe. So I'll tell you right now. So it can actually be a lot easier to hold hold yourself accountable than people think when you learn to do this practice. So a lot of us are trying to hold ourselves accountable from our mind. We're like, okay, well, I have to work out every day if I want to look this way, and I have to do this if I want that. And it's hard to stay accountable because chaos goes on in our mind. We have like, oh, I want to stay accountable, but also I'm tired. Also, this is going on. So this is what, like, this kind of goes back to what I was saying about learning to tap into your body. If you could just take moments throughout your day, and instead of thinking through a decision, you imagine 
what would it feel like if I chose this decision? So let's say even with food, for example, if you are at a restaurant and you want to get the pasta carbonara or this like white fish that looks just as good with like vegetables and stuff or something, right? I do this. Um, this is just a food example. So let's say you have these two things and your brain's going back and forth. Like I want this, but I want this. Take a moment to sit and imagine how would it feel after I ate this? Like, how would I feel after I ate that? And then how would I feel after I ate this other thing? And you compare the two feelings on how you're going to feel after and almost like visualize you after the meal. And it makes it so much easier to make the decision because now you're making a decision from like um, our body, which our body is really where our beliefs stem from. Like we believe something when we feel it in our body, when we feel scared or when we feel happy. And so when you learn to visualize and allow the feelings to populate, it makes staying consistent and accountable to yourself so much easier because you're reminding yourself of how you want to feel. Yeah, I mean, it makes total sense. And it, it, again, I think it just, that awareness of what, like your example is a great one because you know exactly how it's going to feel if you eat the fish and the vegetables versus, you know, a big bowl of pasta with cream, cream sauce. It's, 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 you're going to feel bad if you eat the pot. Like it's very clear, but, but using that technique in, in all of these situations in in harder decision-making scenarios where it's like, okay, you know what, taking that second and, you know, frustrated with your kids. Am I going to feel, how am I going to feel if I blow up and yell at them versus if I try to calmly diffuse this situation? Like there, I can just eat, obviously we can come up with a lot of examples, but I think the, the reality is, is, is listening to our bodies is, is hugely important. I, it's a weird, it's a weird example of that, but my, um, I, I have never been a very good sleeper just like yeah like especially (laughs) like as I got older it got worse like as a as a I always woke up early whatever but I I got in this like cycle of where I would wake up in the middle of the night and just not be able to go back to sleep for a while and so I could fall asleep at night because I was exhausted but like would wake up and just lay there for hours and my my trainer like my at the gym started having me do these like decompressing breathing type exercise i guess it's semi-meditation type of breathing at the end of of uh when we would do something that was like high intensity and i just for whatever reason to try to decided to try that when i was when i couldn't sleep and it it's just it points to your thing about like listening to your body in that like i could i could quiet my mind by focusing on my body and like that the the breathing exercises and it's it's always for me it's always been like the physicality has always been the thing that gets me out of my head like it's like if i'm if i'm stressed you know upset whatever it is like if i can go do something to let my body take over it it just clears up the mind and i don't i don't know if that's everybody but like I, i sort of feel like i figured it out accidentally just i don't even it was just like i started doing that stuff and realized, oh, I feel better after this. That's that's so huge. And that's part of how I teach people to change their thoughts is, um, well, one, like if we're in a low place, like a rut, then it can be really helpful to just meditate more and to get out of your head and just allow the feelings to process through your body. Um, but two, like a really effective way to change your thoughts is 
you meditate, like I do this all the time. I do like a yoga nidra meditation. So yoga nidra, they have you focus on different body parts. And I believe it's a really easy way to get into a meditation. Um, so you do that for it's like 20 minutes. And then the next 10 minutes you spend visualizing what you're grateful for. Um, I visualize a lot of things I already want to happen and that I'm really grateful for. So every retreat that I've hosted, I'll visualize, I'll do the meditation, visualize for 10 minutes, a really successful retreat. And I figured this out at my second retreat I hosted when I wanted to sign, uh, sell more spots. It was like a month in, I hadn't sold enough spots. I decided instead of thinking about it, I'm going to lay down, meditate and visualize. I did it three times a day for, and then in three days, I had three people sign up. Like, I don't even think I did anything different, but it changes something subconsciously where it's like your brain knows how to figure things out for you. Our brain is really crazy when you learn to just let go. Um, but yeah, I think meditation to me is a huge tool just for learning to one, gain self-awareness, to learn to tap into new feelings and change your thoughts. And three, just cut out the, um, the overthinking when the overthinking yeah. gets real tough. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. That overthinking, I mean, it, it, if you're, if you're, if you were having trouble, you know, selling spots to your retreat, the overthinking, you, you, well, you start to get stress about that, right? You have anxiety, like I'm not, I'm, this isn't going how I wanted it to go. And so you just, maybe you didn't do anything different other than stopped overthinking that and, and which is like a, essentially a perfect marketing tool for your retreat. You're like, you're essentially are giving off that indication all, all on your, just by being, just by doing it yourself, just by, by believing in it and, and being a part of it. So uh, it makes total sense. Do you want to talk a little bit about your retreats and kind of let people know what they're about? And um, I'm sure when people hear this, they may be interested in, in uh, coming to one. Yeah, of course. So my retreats spawned off of how much community helped me heal. I really believe it's the missing part to so many people's healing journey. And it's why people who, you know, like I said, before I got into coaching, I did all of the things and did not feel like anything was changing. And it was only once I had a bunch of other like-minded women all in the same journey who wanted to better themselves that it was able for I was able to maintain and see myself in a different light. And it's because other people create reflections for you and they really see you. So one of the main aspects of my retreat is community healing. Um, Cause I, if you even think about it, we're like, if you think back to like, you know, evolution, we were so much more communal beings than we are now. Now everyone is so separated. We're online. Um, so that's a big part of it. Another big part of what we do at my retreat is nutrition and food is a big aspect of it. So I'm really into intuitive eating, listening to your body, learning to just let go of the food rules, eat really healthy foods that taste really good and actually make it so easy to eat healthy. So um, Kim, she's actually partners for Inlifted, which was the language coaching certification I told you guys about. That was my first coaching cert. She's my chef. She's one of my best friends. And so she chefs it up for all of us. And we get all organic, like farm to table food. And she makes it very like all like heart style. So if we're having like harvest bowls, she'll have sweet potatoes roasted in this yummy thing, a bunch of seeds, like um, some meat, like chicken, like she makes it really yummy. And then women put their bowls together. And I've had so many women leave being like, oh my God, I understand how to eat healthy now in a way that's so easy. And I actually want to do. 
And they felt so nourished and energized from it. So that's one part of my retreat is an emphasis on organic, like whole foods and listening to your body. Um, another emphasis that I do is we do manifestation. So I'm really big into changing your thoughts to change your reality. And I have a whole process I take people through and it's honestly the most powerful process I believe in the world, like ever, like I, I use it all the time. I've manifested all of my retreats through it. Every woman who's come at the, I've talked to every woman who's come to the getaway at this point, And all of them have manifested between 80 to 90% of what they wrote down during the ceremony um, a year later. So that's really, really cool. So what we do is this whole writing process, we learn to embody it. And I think the really powerful part is we all see each other doing it. Like we all really see each other at this retreat. We see our capability, our possibilities. And I think that extra accountability, even after the retreats is how people go out and make it a reality because they all stay connected since there's so much bonding that goes on. I also always have a post-integration call. So we always meet after the retreat online to like talk about how to integrate into life. Um, another part of it is I hire my my favorite yoga teacher slash she's also an astrologer and a tarot reader. She's an amazing astrologer. Everyone and their mother who comes to the goddess getaway ends up getting a birth chart reading from her because she's just so good. Uh, but she's an amazing yoga teacher too. So I'm from Boston. She taught in Boston for 10 years. You're from Boston too. I'm from yeah, Boston. Are you, from, yeah. you are. Yeah. What? Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't mean to interrupt you, but I was like, I didn't know this. This is interesting information. Yes. I don't yeah. have any yeah there's my you can't see it but there's a a big uh framed thing of of uh, i was at the Patriots super bowl when they beat the falcons and i have i have this i have i mean i like generally except for the podcast i'm wearing something that has patriots on it like I, i'm a huge boston sports fan i have patriots season tickets anyway sorry i no, just that's... <laughs> i love the boston connection whenever i hear that I, but i just didn't know that till now wow that's wait can i just ask you real quick are yeah. you in the city or are you outside of the city right now or yeah oh well you don't do yeah are you like where did you grow up in the boston area like in I, yeah, boston I, or was it suburb uh suburbs i grew up well i was born in norwood which is like close-ish to boston i guess but i mainly grew up in middleborough which is more towards cape cod for anybody who doesn't you i'm sure you know these things but for anybody who doesn't know massachusetts what about yourself i i grew up in sharon mass oh, yeah. and my dad grew up in Norwood, so it was funny you said that. It's crazy. Um, your, your dad may know my grandmother. My grandmother's been there for like, I don't know, 50 or 60 years in Norwood. She still lives there. That's a, Maybe our that grandparents is, do. Right, that's very, <laughs> very crazy, very crazy. I'm so sorry to have um, interrupted you, but it, I didn't. It's okay. Uh, <laughs> just a funny connection. So yeah, exactly. yeah, Shira taught yoga in Boston for 10 years. Now she has her own like online community. So she comes and she's also like uh, has in psychic mediumship and shamanic rituals and like is a journey dance practitioner. So she brings this whole like spiritual side into the getaway because I believe a big part of changing your thoughts to change your reality is believing that like believing in the energetic connection of it all that it is possible um so we include all of those parts we do a lot of limiting belief work so we're releasing stuff that would prevent people from achieving the things that we manifest um and there's just a, a lot of bonding and then play it's all the things that you need on your healing journey good food play amazing supportive community movement um and like spirituality and like energy work and coaching so 
and they're always in magical places. I'm a, I'm a Taurus. I don't know if anyone on here is spiritual or into astrology, but I like luxury things. So every place I host a retreat, it's really nice. Um, like this next one's in Hawaii and it is absolutely stunning. It's overlooking the water. It's going to be in December, December 3rd through December 10th. And yeah, they're so fun. If anyone's interested, feel free to hit me up. I'd love to have you. Women only. This is women only. Sorry, okay. men. <laughs> uh, another, I'm, uh, I'm actually like writing it down for my wife. Um, where in Hawaii? It's going to be on the main island in Captain Cook. Um, so I've already, it's in December, but I've already figured it all out pretty much. So it's going to, we're going to go on some volcano hikes, go to the beach. We're going to, it's my longest one yet. So usually they're five days and this one's going to be eight days. And yeah, I might do a co-ed one soon. Actually, Austin Linney, who you found me through, him and I were going to plan a retreat together possibly. So very cool. Yeah, that, mm -hmm. that sounds amazing. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely going to tell my wife about this. Uh, so <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> let me, let's, uh, I don't want to keep you all night. Let's get, <laughs> let's switch gears here to where I get to ask you the questions that I ask every guest. So okay. first one is based on the name of the show being Know Your Why. What, what is your why, Rachel? Why do you, why are you so passionate about this? You know, I was on a podcast one time and I didn't realize this is my why, but on that podcast, I realized it was, and it was that I hold the pain that I had so close to me. Like, even though I don't feel it anymore, I know how much pain I had as that nine-year-old girl. And in side note, it wasn't because of my parents. I mean, you know, obviously they play some role in it, but I think I just was like born out of the womb, feeling different, feeling anxious. And I felt pain for a really long time and knowing what's possible, knowing that you don't have to live in that pain, knowing that like, I could literally give this gift to every other woman on the planet or person. I do work with a few men one-on-one, -on -one, but knowing I can give these keys to people to me, that's what life's all about. It feels like it's my purpose. And it feels like the reason I went through this pain and was relentlessly didn't give up on myself was for the purpose of giving these gifts to other women. So I would say that's, that's my why. Love it. That's awesome. Second question. Tell us something about yourself that isn't common knowledge, special skill, hobby. We now know you're from Boston, so we can't use that one. <laughs> Uh, so, or so even something that you're, you know, kind of interested in, in, in learning as a, as a skill, something, whatever, whatever you'd like to share. Yeah. So I had a past life career in cannabis for three years. I grew cannabis for six years. I recently stopped growing, but I grew it organically and it all ties into my love for holistic living and plant medicine. Um, so that surprises people. I have like a very vast cannabis knowledge, having worked in the industry for so long and growing for so many years. Well, that's cool. That's a, that may be the, yeah, I think that's probably the first time I've had that answer. So that's, that's very unique. <laughs> uh, um, when people hear this, uh, and they want to reach out to you, how would you like them to do that? Uh, you can find me on Instagram mostly at Rachel underscore Veritimos. And then in my bio, I have all my links for the retreat, my discovery call, all of those things. Uh, you can also find me on Facebook, Rachel Veritimos. And then I also have a Facebook group where I'll do uh, some trainings here and there. It's called Bye Bye Mean Girl. 
on Facebook. And then I have a podcast called A to B with Rachel V. Tap into your feminine power. Cool. Cool. We'll put all that in the show notes. So it's there for mm-hmm. you. Um, final question for you, Rachel, what, what piece of advice would you give to someone maybe going through that struggle in life that you did, uh, to help them get through it? I would start by showing yourself compassion. Like how could you show yourself more compassion today? Write down all of the stories you have like really see your thinking and the things that you think about yourself and then ask yourself if this was the little girl inside of me, because all of these stories we tell ourselves are just the little child inside of us who learned all of these things. If you could look at that story, connect to the little version of you who's seven, eight years old, see their face, like what would you say to them? Would you want them, if they said that to you, what you wrote down, Like, how would you feel about like towards that little child? How would you show them compassion? And how can you then reflect that compassion onto you? Sure. I love it. I love it. That's perfect. Mm -hmm. Um, Thank you. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for for coming on. I I really appreciate it. I think uh, this will be a a great great episode for people to listen to. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It's nice to talk to a fellow Bostonian. Yeah, I know. That's a, that's a crazy, <laughs> crazy connection. I did not anticipate that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, with that, we will head out. Uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, as always, please uh, listen, subscribe, comment. Uh, you're going to love this episode. Please let us know what you think. All right. Have a great day.